2: Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the iconic and bonkers questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and ask if they can still be applied to love and romance in the modern era. You are joined by Juna Dawson and Dylan B. Jones and this week we're asking, Was Brady's name? Brady Hobbs Brady.
3: (laughs) We are on episode 12, Mm -hmm. La douleur Exquise.
2: Oh, it's such a good one. I love this one for so many reasons.
3: It's one of the most memorable ones.
2: It is. I mean, it's a very overused word, but I think it is iconic.
3: <laughs> Shall I do a, a a potted synopsis? You
2: know I need your potted synopsis.
3: <laughs> so Carrie, this is one of Carrie and Big's most significant episodes. Um, Big breaks it to her that he might have to go to Paris for work for six weeks, seven months, uh, forever. And she understandably, I think, freaks out. Um, meanwhile, Charlotte encounters a foot fetishist. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> and Miranda runs around alleys with Will Arnett having public sex. <laughs>
2: it's there's a, And importantly, the, Samantha has a week off. But for the first time, it kind of gives us a glimpse into what the show would have been like if the fourth character had been stanford
3: yeah in that he gets
2: he gets his own subplot
3: yeah and i think that so this episode is fetish themed isn't it mm-hmm. and i think possibly the reason samantha had a had a week off is because like nothing phases her so like her storyline wouldn't what would her storyline have been like she goes and does something and doesn't even think about it like she's <laughs> maybe I mean, the, yeah
2: yeah The only possible storyline would have been Samantha finally hits her limit. Like she she finds something that absolutely freaks her out. Like maybe she feet freak her out or something and she gets together with a foot fetishist. There was a potential plot there, but I think it's certainly very sporting of Cottrell to sit one out and give Stanford... The plot, because I do love Rick Nine Plus and Big Tool for You. Well, Kim Cattrall is a gay ally, so she probably was like, that's fine, I'll step back. (laughs) I mean, maybe she was doing something else. I mean, I think in this series, there was notably an episode that basically didn't have any Charlotte. Yeah. Um, So it figures that every once in a while, one of them did get some time off. Except for Sarah Jessica Parker, obviously, who was very much... Front and centre. But let's deal with Carrie and Big first, because it's a biggie. And I remember when I first watched this one, I was overjoyed that Carrie finally says enough. And that's actually the question of the week, which is how do you know when enough is enough?
3: Yeah. And it's interesting, I think it's quite a sort of convincing journey that she goes on with his behaviour, because in the episodes prior to this, we have been brought back around to kind of sympathise with her a lot more, haven't we? Mm. And his behaviour has become steadily more, like, not quite relationship ending, although I think this episode it definitely is, and she's right to. But in the last few, there have been, like, shades of him just being, like, a, a bit of a dick, like, a bit arrogant.
2: There was a point where it was going quite well. Like when, when he came and met her, when she wanted him to spend more time with her friends. And and of course, you know, Charlotte holds up Carrie and Big as a relationship myth, which is, oh my gosh, you did it. You changed him. yeah, You, you got the unhavable man. But yeah, over the last couple of weeks, Big... In a very subtle way, actually, there has been signs that just as he's... And he obviously, he told her that he loved her. that And it's almost, I wonder if that's what did it for him, which is he's gone into panic mode. And like Harry says in this episode, this is about you being so freaked out by your feelings that you have to put an ocean between us. Yeah. And that did ring true. I mean, for me, this episode will always be her hurling a filet of fish. At, At a wall-mounted TV. Yes. TV. Yes,
3: <laughs> iconic. Again, iconic. Mm. Um, and While her wearing
2: burst- a beret.
3: And her bursting through the door with the bags from McDonald's saying, bonjour. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: oh, Carrie. And oh, she puts on a sexy hat to whip his bottom as well. And... So
3: I feel like I've constantly been going on about Sarah Jessica Parker's styling in this series. But oh my God, again, it's amazing. Like that outfit that she wears to the fetish bar, I just found incredible. Like the sort of strappy top and then the big huge kind of camp skirt I loved it but Dylan yeah
2: you are such a fan of y2k you are such a millennium <laughs> baby and that remember really... this was, this was the 99 season so... that really is
3: yeah that really is true <laughs> now Just... it all makes sense it um, all makes sense so I loved her um she's back slopping martini glasses around again <laughs> mm-hmm. oh um, yeah when she's drunk yeah, I that... am a woman a what? Whoa man. man you're a freaking old man <laughs> Um, That phone call was brilliant, I thought. And
2: Big gaslights her. He says, get another cocktail, woman. (gasps) Yeah. (gasps) Oh. Oh.
3: But there's a chat that they have at one point where she says, like, everything to his face. She says everything that's wrong. And he's just like, yeah, I know. And she's like, I bet you do. And I found it quite sort of poignant that, like, he knew, but, like, he couldn't do anything about it. Not that I'm on his side at all, but I think big, it really is this character of the, and I've said this before, of that man, of that generation who like can't, just can't do it. Like can't handle their feelings and can't express mm. their feelings.
2: And I didn't really, when, when I first saw it when I was a teenager, it was just, he's a bad man. Yeah. And whereas as an adult, he's like a scared little boy actually. Yeah. And that, you know, Carrie, has been honest and opened up to him and they've said they love each other and now he is you know freaking out and the fact he didn't tell Carrie as well i think shows that he knew how she would react as well um and yeah what what he does is incredibly cowardly and he completely shuts her down and i didn't pick up on that nuance when i was when i was a teenager i just thought oh he's a bad man who treats women badly not He's he terrified of his own feelings.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about what I had thought of it when I was a teenager, and I think I just sort of saw it. It definitely didn't read how it reads now to me. Mm. Um,. Yeah, I guess because we're both more experienced and we've had like real real relationships now, haven't we? So we know yeah. how, I don't know, is his behaviour, it's manipulative really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think Carrie makes a very good point as well, which is, has she made a fundamental mistake in thinking that a relationship should be painful? And obviously that, in a way, sometimes the theme doesn't fit like last week evolution had nothing to do with anything mm. whereas this week actually her revelation that she is in an M relationship yeah of, of an emotional nature works because yeah. she is addicted to the exquisite pain yeah. of being in a relationship with a man who can't love her back and that's and,
3: you know i'm sure many people relate to that
2: <laughs> it is and i think you know this this notion of kind of a generation of us grew up on TV shows, be it Dawson's Creek or Sex and the City or Friends that did subliminally say to us that a relationship should be difficult. You know, there should be obstacles, you know, and, and you've yeah. got to overcome the monster in act two <laughs> yeah. before you can have the happy ever after. Yeah. And I wonder if Carrie, Carrie is a victim of fairy tales as well, kind of, because as as adults now, we know that love shouldn't hurt. Um it, you know, it doesn't need to. And I think that's, we as a generation have slightly suffered as as being overexposed to these stories in which very unavailable people kind of are deemed desirable somehow. You know, be it Heathcliff or him <laughs> him from Twilight or oh my God. Mr. Big, you know, or Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why is it always difficult? Because actually love... When when I've when I have fallen in love as an adult, it actually has been like falling asleep. It's been so easy and so effortless. Wow.
3: Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of examples of modern rom-coms or TV dramas um, just from the last few years and love stories and those and how they match up to like how dramatic and extra things were in the '90s. Mm. I think things are a bit more like love and relationships are approached a bit more practically now in the media.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of trying to think of recent things. So obviously you've got Euphoria, although that doesn't mm-hmm. end very well. <laughs> Gavin and Stacey, actually that's quite gentle. Yeah. There's obviously, oh well, I, shall we briefly pause Sex and the City to discuss Normal People? Have you watched Normal People?
3: I have not watched Normal oh People. Oh my goodness,
2: please, can you watch Normal People before... <laughs> The next time we get together, and okay. let me, I would love to know what you think because those okay. white cis heterosexual people are still really <laughs> struggling, Dylan. The struggle <laughs> is real. Um, it's like a really, really high end. She's all that. I really need to know what Ooh. you think.
3: Oh, I don't know if I would. Like. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. But we've said it before, haven't we? Like the '90s, and it makes a lot of sense and explains a lot when you realize this, like. The nineties had a very skewed image of like love.
2: Yeah. Well I mean my, my <laughs> god. I've been watching nineties thrillers with my friend on a Monday night during lockdown. And like three of the films we've watched have in some way featured incest. Like what like <laughs> clueless she shags her stepbrother, cruel intentions. He wants to do anal sex on his stepsister, and you say, "What? Right. What is going on with all these films?" It's interesting.
3: Chris and I have been watching Modern Family, and there are quite a few incest jokes in that as well, which is quite shocking. Like,
2: <laughs> so I mean, w- we like to think that by now we are familiar with gaslighting as a concept, and that especially yeah. women out there know that you know you shouldn't be in anguish over somebody that you're falling in love with it should be maybe it should be exciting maybe nerve-wracking but i don't know for me i don't think love should be painful because of lubricant yes Mm.
3: exactly and there's a slogan right there (laughs) thank you (laughs) if you would
2: like to send dylan and i lubricant please do again we love a freebie um, do you know who would have appreciated that line Alex Fox Alex Fox we love you we hope you're listening um, let's take yeah. a tiny teeny little break and when we get yeah. back we will deal with Big Tool for You
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
2: Hi there and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This season we are being very generously sponsored by our friends at Brighton Gin. So each week I'm going to give you a easy delicious gin recipe that you can perfect with Brighton Gin. And this week it's a it's a I think it's going to be a controversial one, Dylan. Mm. It's the cucumber and coriander gin and tonic. Now, Ew, okay. I do not enjoy coriander. I think Neither it is the devil's herb. However, soapy. Although I know we must be super tasters. Apparently, if you don't <laughs> like coriander, it's because you are one of the most special people on earth. But yeah, a lot,
3: and you're amazing. And creative yeah, a
2: lot of people yeah. do enjoy it. So this is how you make it. You're going to need. Two tablespoons of gin, a few coriander sprigs, a chunky stick of cucumber and tonic water. And you can guess what's going to happen. You're going to put the gin, (laughs) ice cubes and coriander into a tumble glass. Add your cucumber as a stirrer and top up with chilled tonic water. Give everything a good mix and enjoy. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to enjoy one of those with just the cucumber, not the coriander. Yeah. There you go.
3: Cucumber gin is the best. Delicious.
2: So here we are. We're, We're back. I saw an interesting... Casting factor this week, Dylan. Are you ready? I'm yeah. really proud of this because I don't know how my mind knows this, but I instantly <laughs> thought to myself, I recognise that man in Stamford's underwear-only sex club. and Oh, wait, I recognise him as well. He comes back. I don't know where from. He's going to be in Sex in the City in several years' time. Oh, so, my God. And not only that, I recognised him wait. without having to look him up on IMDb.
3: Can I try and Please guess? do. Is he... The guy who puts Carrie's back out?
2: He at is the not. No, you can have, uh, you can, damn you have it. another two guesses.
3: Um, oh my God, there are so many. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, 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 wait. Is he involved when they go to the Hamptons? He is not. Uh, no, I don't know. Tell me.
2: So theoretically, he could be playing the same character. He is Anthony Marantina's <laughs> boyfriend who they meet <laughs> at trade and puts Charlotte in Home and Country magazine. <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. It's the same guy. The actor is called, I've got him ready on my phone, Chris Payne Gilbert. Um, And he's credited as hot man slash Gordon.
3: (laughs) We need to start like messaging these people on Instagram and telling them to like go on a Zoom call with us.
2: (laughs) We really do Oh, I mean, the one, the actor that I thought even was even more amazing was an actor called James Abaniak who played Buster, the shoe salesman. Oh my god, yeah. Who is so he's, good so so he's good he's so
3: good he's in um chris and i are watching homeland at the moment and he's in homeland really. yes he is and do you know i googled
2: um, him there is no show he hasn't been in i no, think really he's one of the, those there are very very few actors who have consistently worked since the 90s but if you name <laughs> a show he has been on it very often it's just like scientists or doctors yeah so he's done episodes of supergirl suits good wife homeland he's he really has his been in every major american show he has never stopped working he has about 160 credits on imdb
3: (laughs) he's that guy he's
2: that guy that nerdy looking guy but in this episode (laughs) Um, he is so deliciously wrong
3: he's so vile so charlotte gets free shoes from a shoe salesman who has a fetish for feet Mm -hmm. And at one point when he's having her try on shoes, he like visibly comes.
2: <laughs> I mean...
3: <laughs> well, not like... But you can see it in his face, not like visibly, but like...
2: Ring, 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 ring. Oh my gosh, wait, it's the phone. It's woke Charlotte. And she says she would like <laughs> us to refer to her as a sex worker because she did theoretically do sex work in this episode.
3: Yeah, she got her, She got hundreds of pounds worth of shoes
2: for free. But then why did she have to give them back? Well, because she knows it's morally wrong and she can't wear the shoes in good conscience.
3: Well, I see. <laughs>
2: With every step she just hears, wrong, 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 wrong. And she just has to send them back. Um, so yeah, um, oh, did Charlotte.
3: I didn't mind this story arc though. It was It was fun. I didn't mind
2: any of the story arcs.
3: Neither did I. A fun one for, um. yeah, can we, let's talk about Stanford.
2: Yeah, so he, um. I mean, this, let's, Imagine we hadn't all met various partners for the best part of 20 years on the internet. And in 1999, the idea that Stanford Blatch is having sexy fun times online was still really novel. By 1999, most people didn't have broadband. So, you know... Yeah, I
3: find it really funny when he, like, confides in Carrie that he's messaging men online, and she's like, oh. Mm, <laughs> it's just like, how
2: novel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, give, um, give it five years, Carrie, and you yeah. will be hiding from an email. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Stanford is Rick9plus. Um, yeah. He makes friends with Big Tool For You, Um <laughs> and they share a love of... High-end underwear?
3: Yeah. And then they meet in an underwear-only cruise bar, um, which was a very accurate portrayal of a gay underwear cruise bar, and they do exist. There's one in Warren Street. Is there really? Um
2: yeah. whereabouts
3: um it's a, it's down one of, you know there's loads of streets around there that just have like restaurants and like shops and things yeah it's it, it's in like a really unassuming basement huh. um, around there it's called the vault um if any of our listeners are so inclined definitely look them up and give them as much kind of I don't know, support as you can because they'll like venues mm. like that are s- struggling obviously more than ever right now. But yeah, like that was, I've been to the vault, that was, and the Sex in the City scene was a very 100% accurate portrayal of how those places are. I was proud of Sex in the City for this. Mm. <laughs> it was a really nice, non threatening, an accurate portrayal of gay fetish. Yes.
2: Yeah. I thought it was it was rather lovely. Um and as well, you know, maybe it's a fairy tale, but you know, Stanford was not body shamed and you see he's nope. really uncomfortable, and then Hotman slash Gordon comes over to him. He's not he's not Big Tool for You. We we will never know who Big Tall for You is. But um, you know, somebody loves him for his Underwear. And I think now kids would say, you know, I've never felt so seen.
3: Yeah, yeah, true.
2: That Yeah, that, that was lovely. And, and I think Sam, you know, she gets her little bit at the beginning where she's running the insane restaurant. I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure what I think about that restaurant. Because she seems to say that all the staff who are being whipped, are they staff or are they people who want to be whipped?
3: Yeah, I was a bit confused by that as because well. she says... Like, are they kind of...
2: yeah. Like, she says, oh, they're putting says, it all out there. Pe- but are they? Because if they're employees, I hope actually they're in a union. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then she says, all these people have jobs and pay their bills. They're just having fun with fetishes. Yeah. But, like, what job? Do they have other jobs? Like, are they... Just so many questions. <laughs> I don't know if
2: they've thought that one through, but I suppose they needed a reason for them all to be in... all for them to be in a fetish club. And I don't suppose yeah. Charlotte would have been in one unless... It was a restaurant. It was a launch. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she kinks her. She dished, hair. bless her. She kinks her hair. Um, but yeah, I mean Samantha. She she's fine. She's she's doing publicity yeah. for a restaurant, which. Um, yeah leaves only Miranda and Will Arnett.
3: So a ridiculous line, which I loved. While one woman was downtown eyeing her artful new sandal, another woman was uptown eyeing the art of scandal.
2: (laughs) Oh my God, my favorite line was the non-secretaire from from Miranda at the start of the scene, where she's like, you get back to me when you've read the Charles de Gaulle book. And it's like, (laughs) but it's such an impossible line for an actor to say. I mean, what conversation were they possibly having?
3: <laughs> um, yeah, she meets Willa, uh, a young Willa. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I like Will Arnett
2: yeah, never know. He's, yeah. he's funny.
3: He's 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 a bit Will Ferrell kind of laddie. But and they go on a great first date, mm-hmm. and then it's revealed that he loves having sex in public,
2: outside National Trust places, so outside yeah. outside Mark Twain's house, and yeah, in a cab. And it just gets increasingly horrifying until the last scene where he (laughs) wants to be discovered by his parents.
3: And then they get discovered and Miranda's just like, her face is so (laughs) And his face
2: is quite terrifying. He's really getting up on it. Yeah,
3: it's quite disturbing. And she's just there, like, with her hands out, like, what? Like, what's happening? Well,
2: I mean, because that, so that's um, both Buster and Jack Miranda's date, both, yeah. you know, really trying to out creep each other. And the the director yeah. had obviously said, just you mean, just go for it, you know, just be <laughs> as weird as you like. I do
3: not like sex in public,
2: no, because. Remember, pre-authorness, I was a primary school teacher. And, oh, yeah. and, you know, given that I was a queer primary school teacher, there were times when I was doing that job where people questioned, you know, should someone like you be doing this job? Mm. So I always really, mm. really kept my private life private. For me,
3: it's, I, I totally understand that. For me, it's more because my vision isn't very good and I'm lazy. <laughs>
2: But you like a sauna, presumably. Does a sauna count as in
3: public? I suppose so, yeah. And I do, actually. But it's a more controlled environment. Do you know what? It actually is because, like, I don't want to be seen as, like, you know, like, I don't want kids running by. I don't know, like, I don't want to be seen as that kind of irresponsible person. Mm. I I once had sex in a nightclub
2: toilet. Does that count?
3: Oh, I mean, we've all had sex in a nightclub toilet.
2: (laughs) Which which nightclubs have you had sex in? Let's see if we've got any overlap.
3: Um, The Eagle in London. No. When when I say sex, I mean, I don't mean like full sex.
2: No, that Um, would be very difficult. Yeah. Although that's not to Um, say I haven't. But so for me, notably in the gender games, it was the George Um, in Dublin, and Dynamite Boogaloo in Brighton.
3: (laughs) Amazing. Mm. Oh,
2: those were the days.
3: It was different Um, life. But Miranda is kind of up for it, but she's also a bit like... It's a fun jaunt for Miranda.
2: Yeah, you can see why once would be sexy. I think it's when it keeps happening that it's a bit. <laughs> yeah. mm, hang on a minute. What, what is happening? Do we think this yeah. episode
3: kink shames? Yes, um, very slightly. It's not terrible. The opening with the fetish-like restaurant thing that was clumsy because it's a very stereotypical kind of um sensational portrayal of the fetish world and with the exception of samantha they all kind of sit there and make fun of it yeah. so that's the only but to be fair like that's the only time and it could have been a lot worse i'm nitpicking
2: yeah the, the stanford stuff saves it a little bit because that's quite sensitively done and um, yeah and i mean carrie doesn't really go for it and it's interesting because of course how many weeks ago was it that Samantha came across the cedar-lined den of iniquity. Yeah, And she yeah. was a bit kink-shamey about that. But she says at the beginning, yeah. you know, it's an expression of sexuality. It's healthy and fabulous. So it kind yeah. of sets its stall out right, yeah. right at the beginning. And, and Carrie does take the crop home to Mr. Big, so...
3: <laughs> oh, baby.
2: Oh, baby. But then, I mean, maybe, her, like we say, her true fetish is pretending to be French. Maybe, yeah. oh my God, that's, it's <laughs> role play. So she's like, tonight I am Céline. I am Le French fille. French filles. <laughs> I am une fille, <laughs> une petite fille. Um,
3: things never, when when Carrie says bonjour, things never end well. Like she says bonjour and then falls over in Dior. And then the other time she says bonjour, she ends up throwing a billy of fish at the TV. So just mm. Carrie just don't say bonjour
2: it's funny, but this <laughs> i suppose really is the start of what becomes a five year story arc with Carrie's on off relationship with paris which yeah, recurs yeah. several times kind of yeah. um so yeah that's a start but we we should try and answer Carrie's question which again this could have gone the question which doesn't really have anything to do with fetish um, it could go to some quite dark and sad places which is when is enough enough uh, I guess at what point does a distant partner become emotionally abusive
3: for me i think it's to do with control Mm. i've always thought that someone the instant a partner told me you can't go to this place or you can't see this person that would be it Mm. and i'm very lucky that's never happened to me um but i've always thought that would be my line Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: See, where would I draw the line? Definitely, obviously, we've discussed cheating. Um, If somebody lied and went behind my back, that would be the end. Yeah. If someone was... Do you know what I think I find inexcusable is being left hanging. And the relationship that I had directly before Max in 2018, there was a guy who would sometimes leave me waiting for replies to messages for over a day and in that time you know you can legitimately drive yourself crazy filling in the blanks oh yeah and often i would you know i would read so much into the silences you know what does it mean has he gone off me is he not interested is he dead in a ditch um you know I, you know when we arranged things he'd be like yeah maybe friday night <clears throat> and then on friday mm. i'd be like so are we doing something and he'd be like oh did we have plans no uh, no, no no that's so
3: like that's so controlling as well though that's like him keeping you on tend to hurt isn't it and so it's interesting both of our responses have been quite quite different to that
2: yeah Um, i i can't i can't deal with that and it it did it was funny because i was in therapy at the time and bless him my therapist was never gonna say you should really leave this man but it was more i think sometimes when two people who are very different come together it can cause one of them real anguish and to me i couldn't handle that and I did have to do a carry, and I had to say, "I'm sorry. I think I deserve better than this." And I, yeah. I think I don't think he thought he was a bad guy. I think he would just, "Oh, sorry, I'm so shit at replying." And I was like, eh, "But you being shit is making me really anxious." So. Yeah. Enough yeah. is enough.
3: Yeah, it's a, hard, it's a hard one to answer because it just depends on... It is hard to know when enough is enough, actually, isn't it? It is.
2: But I think later on, one of my favourite bits from... And this is we're jumping way, way ahead of ourselves to season six, is Samantha's relationship test, which is, is a relationship making your face do this... Big happy smile of the yeah. from grumpy frown, yeah. you know, as much as your dermatologist will allow, and I do, I do think that's true. I think we've got to bin this idea that. A good relationship should be difficult. I mean, yeah. they can be. Relationships can be hard work, and they need pruning and watering. But they—I don't think they should be painful. Yeah, and I think yeah. Car- Carrie recognizes that maybe we should leave pain to kinky hanky panky and not to the
3: heart. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good conclusion. I think. Also, since this episode is fetish themed, I was watching it and watching the fetish restaurant scene and stuff, and just really like thinking about the fetish community right now my heart just really goes out to them because it must be really fucking tough right now because so much of it was focused around environments that obviously now aren't allowed Mm. for the moment so love and solidarity to all the fetishy people listening
2: yep and (laughs) if you are keeping on paying your cleaners and if you are paying your dog walkers and nannies while all this is going on pay your fucking sex workers as well Yeah, absolutely. Furlough your sex workers. <laughs> cool. All right. Well,
3: next week we are going to look at The Games, the games People, people play. play. Another great Another one. Another really,
2: really good one. Um, so until next week, take care. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S I G T T podcast. I'm at Juno Dawson.
3: And I'm at Dylan B. Jones LDN.
2: Fab. Until next time, take care.
3: Bye.